Good morning, Christ the King. Happy Easter to you. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I want to say a big hello to everybody that is in our overflow section and the family room's packed and it's just like, we just got a lot of people here this morning. Can we say thanks to God for people showing up on Easter? Awesome. Well, this past week, a guy totally turned the tables on me. I'm standing in line in a coffee shop locally here in Whatcom County, and the guy in front of me turns to me and says, hey, I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him and smiled, you know, yeah, okay, whatever, like, all right. And he goes, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, all right, you go to Christ the King? And he goes, what? <laughs> I said, do you, do you go to Christ the King? And he goes, what's Christ the King? I said, I'll have a hazelnut mocha, because <laughs> now I'm intrigued. I said, what's your question? He goes, my question is, why do I see you in here buying coffee for people and then asking questions? <laughs> I'm like, that's a good question. So <laughs> I said, you've been watching me. He goes, yeah, I have. Not in a weird way, like nothing like that, right? I'm like, that was good, because that was awkward. And uh he goes, why, why do you do that? And I said, you know what? I said, so I, I pastor a church here in Whatcom County, and I'm just really curious about what people really believe. And I found that if, I, it, if they'll receive a coffee from me, they'll answer a spiritual question. I just want to know what they really, really think. I'm really interested in what people believe. He looked at me and goes, what do you believe? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to throw it in there, I'm going to hit it, Right? So I kind of look around for like hidden cameras, you know, just making sure nothing weird's going on, all the rest of that. And I don't remember everything that I said, but stuff just came pouring out of my mouth, right? Because now I'm caffeinated and excited at the same time. And I remember, I remember some of the things I said. I said, I believe that God created everything, including people. I believe that God created everything that was perfect until man sinned. And I believe that sin separated us from God. And I believe that that separation broke God's heart. In fact, it broke God's heart so much that he intervened and sent his son Jesus to become like us. I said, I believe that Jesus was God. I said, I believe that Jesus became fully human so that he knows what it means to be the best of being human than the worst of being human. I said, I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life and that he gave his life willingly on a cross to save rebels and skeptics like me. I remember saying, I believe that, that even though I don't deserve anything good from God at all, except for judgment, that he gives me exactly what I don't deserve. I, said, I remember saying, I believe that he has given me forgiveness for my sin, grace for my broken life, and mercy for my memories. I remember saying, I believe God saved my life in the worst moment where I had lost all hope and didn't even want to live anymore. I said, I believe that three days after Jesus died on a cross, that God raised him from the dead. I said, I believe that God loves me in spite of myself, and that somehow, miraculously, he's alive in me right now. I remember saying, I believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. And I remember his eyes got really big when I said, I believe he put us here in this place right now to have this conversation. And I believe that God loves me, and that everything he did for me, he did for you too. And Dale's eyes got really big, and he said, that was intense. <laughs> and then we just talked, just a couple guys. 
And I shared a little of my story, and he shared a little bit of his story. He told me, he goes, I've always loved the idea of God. I just don't know how it fits into this world. I just don't, I just don't get it. I love God. I just, I just don't know exactly what to do with that. And so we chatted, and then he said, I got to go to work. And I said, I got to go to work. And there were no lightning bolts. And music didn't play in the background. And a light didn't come on over my head. And I did not say, God loves you, you know. <laughs> there was no prayer. He just shook my hand and nodded. I don't believe it was an ending. I believe it was a beginning. And Dale, if you're here, welcome. This is my crazy family. <laughs> it's nuts. We've been doing a series called God Is. It's been based on our quest to really get to know who God is. Is Beyond the bumper sticker answers and all that other stuff, we've been passionately pursuing this idea and we're going to continue to pursue it because of a little phrase that A.W. Tozer stuck in my head when he said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You know, I was surprised at what just came tumbling out of my mouth when I was there talking with Dale. I mean, I guess, apparently I've been listening to my own messages, which is probably a good thing, right? Okay. But in case you missed it, can we just go back through some of the truth that just kind of bubbled to the surface in the midst of one of those real life conversations? This is how we roll at Christ the King. I'm going to tell you a bunch of things that I believe from the bottom of my gut. I believe that God is creator. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that God created everything, but God did not create evil and suffering. I believe evil and suffering enter the world because of man's disobedience and sin. And that sin, the sin of mankind, separated us from God. And I love the fact that God couldn't stand that separation, so he intervened. Intervened and sent his son Jesus to bridge a gap that none of us can bridge on our own merit. So I believe that God is Jesus. One of the verses that God used to drag me back to himself was John 1.14, which says, The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. The Bible says Jesus came. That he fully entered into his own creation. That the son of God laid aside his royalty. And fully and completely became just like me. And just like you. He was fully human. And yet fully God. Which means this today. He gets it. He understands life. And humanity. He embraced that fully and completely. Well, why does that matter? It matters because that means we can say God is understanding. Hebrews chapter 4, 15, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Jesus gets it. One of my mentors passed away yesterday. Dr. Carlin Weinhauer taught me how to preach. And Carlin was diagnosed with cancer just a very short time ago. And last night, he got his dream Easter in heaven. And my heart's busted because he was supposed to be here today. But this one thing I know, because God understands it, he gets my broken heart today. Jesus knows the pain of rejection. 
He understands when life is confusing and we've got more questions than answers. Jesus understands abandonment and hurt and disillusionment. He gets it. When you feel like your dignity has been ripped away from you, he understands. And the thing I love about Jesus is this. Instead of bypassing evil and suffering, my God walked right into the middle of it. He didn't try to sidestep it. He didn't take a pass because he was God. He didn't try and enlighten himself around it. He walked in fully and completely. He entered it directly. He submerged himself in humanity without ever losing what made him God. And do you know why he did it? Because he wanted to pay a price that we couldn't pay. I believe Jesus lived a perfect life, which made him a perfect sacrifice. Why did God need a sacrifice? Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no removal of sin. God sacrificed himself. You know why? Right here. I believe that God is self-sacrificing. That's what the most famous verse in the Bible says, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I know most of you know John 3.16. Have you ever heard John 3.17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. There's no condemnation here today. But to save the world through him. If you need to know what took Jesus to that cross on Good Friday, let me tell you what it was. It was love. Love for the people of Whatcom County. Love for the people of the Pacific Northwest. That's what took him to the cross where he suffered and died. Not condemnation, but love. And that means love and mercy were poured out at the cross. It means this. Out of the greatest evil that's ever been perpetrated in all of human history came the greatest good. Out of the evil of murder flowed love and grace and forgiveness. I'll tell you something. I'm a father. I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. And this one thing I know, you can do whatever you want to me. But if you hurt my kids, I lose all reason. The parent, you get it, don't you? We lose all reason. And that's a scary thing if you hurt my kids. Because I grew up in Canada playing hockey and driving. I'm a dangerous man. Dangerous man. And this is one part of the Easter story that I just struggle to understand. I don't get it as a father because I crucified the Son of God with my sin. I, I should have prepared myself for the wrath of a father because I nailed his son to a cross. I mocked his sacrifice with my rebellious life. I spit on his grace day after day and day after day and I walked away and yet God the Father chose not to give me what I deserved. Just so we're clear, I deserve to be judged. I deserve to die. It should have been a life for a life, but that's not what God gave me. God gave me a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a fourth and fifth opportunity, and the number just kept going up. In exchange for the evil of my life, God gave me forgiveness for the past and hope for the future. This one thing I know, God is merciful. The Apostle Paul 
Before he was Paul, he was a hired hitman who killed Christians for the fun of it. A couple of thousand years ago, he just would show up in a church and decimate it because he thought he was doing the world a favor. And then one day, he was on the road to Damascus, and God showed up and knocked him on his backside and asked him a simple question. What's your problem, little man? Why are you persecuting me? And he transformed him, changed him, sent him in a completely different direction. And Paul writes these words in Romans. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still doing everything we knew we shouldn't be doing, Jesus was dying. For me personally, it means while I was out driven by my own skepticism and anger and frustration and pain, while I was out walking away from God, God was following me. He pursued me through the cross, pursued me through death itself. He pursued me to hell and back. And on the third day, on that beautiful day when it appeared that Satan had won and evil had triumphed, on that day when it appeared that all hope was lost and that somehow God's plan had failed, on that third day, a declaration was made that completely changed human history. God is alive. If you've never heard the story, Luke 24 says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Can I get an amen from the 10 o'clock? Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. All of a sudden, all of the words just came flipping back into their brains. Just like, he said he was going to die. Then he said he was going to come back to life again. It actually looks like that's what happened. I think one of the funniest verses in all of the Bible is when the local political leader who was in charge of Jesus' body said, put him in the tomb and secure it. (laughs) Yeah, you try holding that in that hole, right? You try keeping life subdued. It's not possible. And all of a sudden, people understood it. He lives. Sin is defeated. New life is available. Forgiveness is real. You want to know why Christians are crazy happy on Easter? Because we win. Because we win. Now because of what Jesus did, we can not only say God is alive, but we can say God is alive in us. That same converted hitman wrote these words in Romans chapter 6 in the same way. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, which means this, if you are here today and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, here is the beauty of Easter for you. Sin is no longer your master. You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to Jesus, which means you're dead to your old way of life. You were spiritually dead, but now Jesus lives inside of you. You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Jesus paid it all. All to him you owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it as white as snow. You have been pronounced 
forgiven and set free because he is alive in us. Is that subtle enough for everybody across the back of the stage? You know, forgiveness is a powerful force. One of the perks of my job, even though I don't even call it that, one of the perks of doing what I do is I get to see what happens when forgiveness touches a human heart. I have seen the words, will you forgive me and I forgive you, heal a broken marriage. I have seen the words, will you forgive me and I forgive you, allow a son and a father to speak again after they have not spoken for years. I have seen business partners who had wished each other deep harm because something had just gone wrong in their little world in pursuit of whatever it was that they were after. I have watched them fall into each other's arms as simultaneously they said, will you forgive me? I was wrong. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful force. Jesus was not a victim when he forgave me. You see, I believe and I know and have seen that victims become victorious when they make a decision to forgive. Jesus did not forgive from a position of weakness. He forgave from a position of strength. And when God forgave me, as undeserving as I was, he was just underlining in my heart a truth that I keep coming back to every day that truly is a miracle. And it's the simple statement that God is forgiving. If you need to know his heart, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us or purify us from all of the garbage that we drag with us through our lives. And that's what God offers every single human being in this room today on this Easter Sunday at Christ the King. He offers forgiveness as a free gift. Ten years ago, this Easter weekend, in one of the chairs in this room, God began writing a powerful story of forgiveness on the heart of a very precious young lady. I had no idea about her story until about you know, six or nine months ago. One evening after service, I was leaving and Jill came up and she handed me this little manila envelope and she said, this is my story. I'd love it if you'd read it. So I did, and over the next two or three days, God just kept saying the same thing. Easter, Easter, Easter. Share the story on Easter. This is the story of God forgiving one of his precious daughters. And how as he forgave her, she learned how to forgive a human being that did one of the ultimate wrongs. And I would love nothing more than for you to see and hear Jill's story from her. Let's watch it together. Hello, my name is Jill Cariana Siegel, and I was born in 1970 to a family in Seattle. Uh, my parents are still married, and I'm the youngest of five children. My favorite thing about my sister was uh, how much she cared for me. Uh, my sister never minded taking uh, a Back, back seat almost, backstage, and letting me shine. So many firsts, everything about growing up. My sister was the one that I went to, and she was always the one I knew I could go to. It would never judge me, it would just love me, and just be there for me. Um, my sister was planning a trip to Las Vegas for my 21st birthday. 
Unfortunately, that trip never happened uh, because her life was cut short by a heartless man who gunned my 23-year-old sister down. Uh, he didn't steal just her life that night, though. He also stole those of my parents, uh, my three big brothers, and me. It was around 2.30 in the morning when the phone rang. I answered. My mom was very calm, and I know now that she was in shock, but very calmly said, Jill, Kimmy's dead. I sat up the rest of the night crying and asking how, why, how can this be? It can't be real. The moment that I saw the man that took my sister's life, I hated him. I, it was an all-encompassing, all all-powerful hatred, and it froze my heart, and it bound it in chains. I coped with the pain by smoking lots and lots of pot. And when I would be crying, and I, if I would get stoned, then the tears would stop. The first time I came to a Christ the King service, it was the Easter service in 2004. When my husband's parents invited us, I did not want to go. I said, I, I'm not going. It just wasn't something that interested me because I had felt judged. I was not stoned at the time, and I actually did listen to what Pastor Grant had to say, and he did make me see in that half an hour time that Jesus himself is love and forgiveness, and he wants me to come to him, and he has a place for me in his heart in one half hour Easter service that happened for me. And so I was actually at an annual conference for work. I'm the trainer at my job. Early in the session, he mentioned that his mother was killed by a young man who came into her store to rob her. He wondered what made this kid feel so misunderstood and so lost and so powerless that he had to take another person's life. In that split second, I asked those same questions and I felt forgiveness overtake me. It was like my heart, it melted. It melted and the chains broke free and the tears came again for my sister. But this time they were for the man who killed her. And for me, tears of joy and tears of love and tears of understanding and everything that goes along with true forgiveness when it actually really truly happens to you. The pain of our loss will always be with me, but forgiveness has replaced the bitterness and anger. And now, instead of crying out to God and asking why he took my sister away, I now thank him for the 20 years that I was blessed to have her. I hope that somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and maybe somebody who has their own addiction problems or their own pain, can hear my story and know that they can get better and that Jesus is the one who can do it for them. How do you, how do you do that? How do you forgive someone who murdered your sister? The only way that's possible is if you know a God who forgave the murder of his son same forgiveness that healed Jill's heart can be
see everyone in this room today. You can understand that. It can be yours. And the Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate Easter than to give people an opportunity to receive that forgiveness. See, I believe it started a couple of thousand years ago, but it's been rippling across human history ever since. I believe God is forgiving and healing people's hearts right now. You see, from my perspective, I can see the tears. One of the most beautiful parts about my vantage. God can forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He died to forgive you. So in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to pray with me on this Easter. Maybe we can have kind of a conversation like Dale and I had. No bells and whistles. Just an honest conversation between us and God. You know, maybe you're here and like, like I did for years, you just think that God can never forgive you because your past is a little different than everybody else's in the room. Could I say something to you if you're feeling that right now? You're wrong. If God can forgive my stuff, I know He can forgive yours. Some of you are here and you're just like, that's just too good to be true. Can I say something to you? You're right. It's too good to be true. That's what makes it God. Some of you are skeptical about all this God stuff. I want you to know something. You are so safe here with your hard questions. But I want you to know God has a hard question for all the skeptics in the room too. Will you receive His free gift of salvation and forgiveness today? Right now, in this moment. Well, if your answer is yes, skeptics, rebels, pre-processed church-going people who've been doing this for so long, you forgot what it means to have your heart broken in front of God Himself and everybody else in between. If your answer is yes to receiving the forgiveness of God, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. We're not going to do anything weird, but I'm going to tell you something. We're going to bow our heads in respect to the God who's speaking to us. And I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes so we can just give God our full attention. So would everybody pray with me right now? And if your answer in your soul is yes to receiving the forgiveness of God, would you pray this prayer with me in the deepest part of your soul? Jesus, I declare with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. God, I own the fact I have sinned and messed up my life. God, could you find it in your heart to forgive me? God, would you forgive me right now for living for myself and not for you? God, would you heal my broken heart, my pain and my suffering? I give my life to you. 
Jesus, right now I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life. I believe that I am yours and you are mine. God, thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving the worst of me. Thank you for loving the worst of me. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. I am forever grateful. In Jesus' name.